Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Michael Gallagher of Nashville Hockey Now, and you can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. Uh, all kinds of great stuff up there at Nashville Hockey Now, so make sure you check out the website, check out the social accounts as well, at 440 Sports. Um, and please, let me ask you one thing, uh, you audience members out there who've been listening to the Gold Standard now for almost three full years. We love you. We appreciate you. Please write a review. Just If you put a review in there, it'll move us up the rankings. It'll help more Predators fans find what we think is the best Predators show in the market. And Michael, I could not be more excited about today's episode. That's right. In the middle of May, no big news with the Nashville Predators, but could not be more excited about what we're going to talk about today. Um, scoring an overtime game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup final. I, I think I can make the case that it is the greatest single thing you can accomplish in American team sports. We'll have a debate about that a little bit later on. We have, for the first time in 17 years, the Milwaukee Admirals are going to the Western... <laughs> is it the Western Conference Finals? Is that what it's called? The Western Conference Finals in the AHL Calder Cup. Uh, so we've got we've got some AHL prospects to, to discuss as they win yet another series in five games. This is a this is a, they're on a wild ride right now, and a lot of good young players playing well for this Predators organization that will be up on the big club soon. So some fun stuff to talk about. Then we get to spend about oh I don't know as long as we want, Michael, just just shitting on the Dallas Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Predators fans, uh, I think, will appreciate that part of the show. So I will turn into one of you suitor haters for about ten minutes today, and I'm going to have a fun time doing it. So we'll do that today. Uh, and of course, we've got some, some, some interesting rumors still a swirling about John Hines, Barry Trotz, David Poyle, and the future of the Nashville Predators. So a lot of fun stuff to do on the show today. Uh, however, the Gold Standard is a podcast about the Nashville Predators, and it is brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. There we go. There we go. One word answers only. The one with one word answers from Michael Gallagher. I'm gonna bust out my thesaurus. And I'm going to come up with a list of adjectives, and I'm going to randomly throw some new adjectives out in the, in the coming shows about Jasper. So be prepared. I, a little little tease. I'm I'm going to the wordsmith. I am. I'm going to mm. more more superlatives to to give Jasper's other than amazing and wonderful. Uh, spectacular. Um, scrumtralescent is a good one, right? Scrumtralescent, <laughs> I think, is is one that. Uh, I think we should use more often. No, it's a great place to watch any of the playoff games that are going on. NBA, NHL, you got all kinds of fun stuff going on. You had golf tournament, PJ Championship last week. Uh, it was, you know, you got the grab-and-go market in case in case you can't stick around. You got the game room for the kids. Uh, the food is truly spectacular. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. And uh, make sure you go check that out. Again, we are going to debate because they got Papa Shot and they have air hockey. And I just, we're going to debate. You know, knocking down a jumper versus scoring a game-winning goal, game seven. We're going to have that debate in honor of you, Jaspers, a little bit later on in the show. Just keep it light, like one of those beautiful cheesecakes that they have at the grab-and-go market at Jaspers. So go check it out. Jaspers, everybody. Go to Jaspers. Okay. Um. All right. So Elliot Friedman, right? Little rumor, little note. He does one of the best reporters on the national beat in the NHL. Has a little note. Now, I was actually out at Titans OTAs on Tuesday talking with some folks who have covered the Preds for a long time as well ab about the no news thing that Barry Trotz or David Poyle, nor David Poyle, has said anything officially about the status of John Hines. Now, they don't have to, but there's a lot of, but there's a lot of speculation 
It'd be nice if they did, so we could stop talking about it. Right. So my first question here's my. This is where I wanted to start with you. My before we get to Friedman's quote and like what it actually means and what what the rumors could be, I just want to know if you are one if you were one hundred percent keeping John Hines, and we talked about Spencer Carberry and some other candidates last week on the episode. So go check that out. If you were one hundred percent decided already about keeping John Hines, wouldn't you have already said that instead of this? Oh. Yeah. Constant, instead of this constant, like, we're all under evaluation process bullshit that is... I'm not saying it's bullshit. I'm saying, like, it's just sort of, like, gobbledygook. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. If if John Hines is the guy and John Hines is, is going to be the head coach next year, regardless of what any of these coaches in the Stanley Cup playoffs do, any of the coaches in the AHL playoffs do, if John Hines is the guy and you are convinced of that, then there's no reason to drag this out. You you should You should have issued a press release. You should have made a statement. Whatever you have to do to say, hey, John Hines is coming back to the Predators next season. The fact that it hasn't, I think, tells a story. And th- this is what we're spending the offseason doing is trying to dissect and tell that story because, like like you said, th- if John Hines, if you have no convictions about it, why not come out and say something? Why not just take that off the table and be like, look, hey, I know it's been a rough couple of years, but John's still under contract. He, he's We're going to honor that contract and he's coming back. I, that that is sort of what I was discussing with a few folks on Tuesday, and obviously there's a reason they have not done that. So it allows for it allows for a lot of space for speculation. And now this is where we can get to to the Elliot Friedman quote. So if you want to read it, um, I know you tweeted it out uh, at MG Sports underscore. Make sure you go check that out. Um, but there was basically uh, the gist of it. I'll let you. Do, do you have it ready to go? I do. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and read it, and, and I'll kind of give you my takeaway from it. Yeah, so Elliot was talking about some of the kind of head coaching candidates. He mentioned Spencer Carberry. Uh, he said that he knows a couple of teams have asked to speak permission to Seattle assistant Jay Leach. Uh, and th- those are kind of two, like the two up and coming coaches that are a-, a lot of teams are coming after. And then he mentions Nashville and he says, the longer Nashville goes without saying anything, the more you have to believe GM Barry Trotz is at the very least considering options. And I... I can confirm that there is interest in other potential coaches. I don't know exactly. I haven't been told who they are, but I, but I have been told that this is an avenue they are at least exploring whether they make calls and actually talk to these guys or not. I don't know. I'm not in the loop that much, but I have been told that, that Barry Trotz part of this evaluation, the evaluation isn't just evaluating the job that John Hines has done and what he thinks he could do. Part of that evaluation is, we have John Hines' resume. We have his body of work. Do we think if we hire a Spencer Carberry, a Jay Leach, a Carl Taylor, them those guys coming in, are they going to be better than what John Hines has given us the last three years? That's part of what I've been told this evaluation process is. They already, they already know, and they've done their due diligence on John Hines. I think now they're trying to find out if they are interested in Carberry, if they are interested in Leach, Ryan Warsawski, Gerard Gallant, whoever is out there. I think they're trying to, they're, I think they're doing their research now and trying to kind of compare and contrast will it be better for the franchise bringing in a new guy or will it be better keeping John Hines in place and letting him kind of take the reins next year with a younger team which when when David Poyle announced that he was stepping down as GM I had sources tell me that expect a coaching change because Barry was going to want to come in and get his own guy and I I was told that was that was the plan going forward up until John Hines took basically an AHL roster and almost made the playoffs. I think his his ability to do more with less, at least in, in that 20-game that stretch, really made an impression on Barry Trotz. And I think that's the holdup is 
they were trying to decide is that is that what John Hines can be or is John Hines more or less the guy that was before you know the two and a half seasons before that up until up until the trade deadline basically and I know we've kind of covered this at a lot of different from a lot of different angles so I don't want to I don't I'm not meaning to or we're not meaning to repeat ourselves or belabor the point but it's a very odd and unique situation that does Barry Trotz want his first thing that he ever does as a general manager to be firing the head coach uh, the draft is two days before he three days before he takes over as general manager of the franchise. Does David Poyle want the last thing that he ever does to be to fire uh, the, the head coach, which we know he doesn't love? All of this is really not fair to John Hines at all. You're certainly not going to go up to John Hines in private and say, look, dude, we're going to check out all the other guys in the room and we're going to see if any of them will fit. And if we see something we like, we're, well, you're out of here. But if we don't, then we want to keep you and we love you again. Like, that's not how like, that just is not an appropriate way to treat John Hines in all of this situation. So what I am hopeful is happening is they are making a coaching change. They're doing their diligence to find out the research and that they have communicated this with John Hines in some way, shape or form in private. What's probably happening (laughs) to your point is they are doing all their diligence, quote unquote, in the back rooms, like the back smoky rooms. I'm not sure why those rooms are always smoky anymore. There's no smoking allowed anywhere inside, but those rooms are always, you know, like cloak and dagger, like whatever type of type of situations. Are they doing all their back channeling to find out interest from other candidates? Could they get candidate X? And I am a big fan of every sports team, college or pro having a plan. You don't just fire a guy to fire a guy. You do it because you have a plan. And maybe that's a a partial yes, or a maybe from a coach that you want to go get. But it, none of this is truly all that fair to John Hines, honestly. And unfortunately, because of the GM change, like like a month, two, three, four months off from when they first announced it, it creates this really bizarre dynamic that we just have never really seen before. And so we don't know how each of these three guys are going to handle these situations. And there, there's a reason all this stuff keeps getting floated. <laughs> There's a reason uh-huh. name, there's a reason names are linked to Barry Trotz. There's a reason national reporters are saying what they're saying. There's a reason you've got the information you've got. Um, there's a reason all of this stuff is happening. So I guess in theory, on July 1st, immediately after conducting one of the largest and most important drafts in franchise history, they could announce the firing of John Hines and 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 or buying out the contract or whatever it is and the hiring of a new coach. That's possible. As part of Elliot Friedman's comments, I believe he said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, that everyone is sort of taking their time. And I, and I think that's another, that's another element to consider here is that almost everybody across the league is kind of slow playing this because there's a few big candidates that have a lot of opportunity and everyone needs to see where the dominoes start to fall before they make their own decisions. And again, not fair to guys like John Hines, but just sort of the, the environment that we are in right now. Yeah. And look, there's there's no timetable put on this thing. I I know if you're John Hines, you would like an answer sooner rather than later, because there is only five head coach openings in the NHL right now. But I mean, looking looking at the head coaching cycle from last year, seven head coaches were hired in the month of June. Two were hired in July. David Quinn was hired in San Jose on July 26th, weeks after the draft. San Jose fired their entire coaching staff on July 1st last year, just six days before the draft. Boston hired Bruce Cassie on June 6th. Florida fired Andrew Burnett on June 22nd. Like, there's no precise timeline on this. I think in the month of June, probably at the beginning, is when we're going to get some clarity on this. But there, there's no there's no set timetable on this. And I I know I said a couple of weeks ago that I was I thought that, and I do still think Carl Taylor is in the running for this position as well. 
But I said, if Carl Taylor can somehow lead the Admirals to a Calder Cup final or win <laughs> a Calder Cup championship, that would solidify, that would make a stronger case for him. I think I think right now they know if Carl Taylor is the guy they want. I think I think they know that. I think they know who they want right now. I think Barry's just trying to identify, I think he's already identified who he wants. I think he's trying to figure out, is the interest mutual? And is there a way to get this done and also be respectful to John Hines? Because like I said, there is only five head coaching vacancies. If he is a candidate for any of those jobs, he would probably like the freedom to go in and try and negotiate with any of those teams as quickly as possible. Because he, the last thing he wants is to be out of a job next year because the predators decided to take their time on this. Uh, so if I'm the general manager, I have my list. And at some point on that list is John Hines. Maybe it's number three, maybe it's number two, maybe it's number five. At some point on that list, I'm sticking with John Hines. And the only people that know that are probably David Poyle and Barry Trotz. Now, cynically, they have a built-in excuse why they don't have to do anything. And I think that's really important context that you just added about when coaching changes have happened in the last cycle. Like That's really important to, to note that June and July is when this stuff has happened in the past, and we're not even in there. We're not even there yet. So yeah. I, I think that, that's important to note. Good, good work by you. N number two on this is again from a cynical standpoint they have a the predators have a baked in excuse to not do anything david poyle's leaving on june 30th like that is their they don't they whether it's true or not whether barry trotz has the yeses or the nos or the maybes on his list or not which i assume he does <laughs> it, it there's they have this baked in excuse to be like no nothing can really happen until july 1st and and that is again Maybe that's doing John Hines wrong. I don't know. But they. this is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, man. And in professional sports, you got to do the best thing for your franchise that you can. And so I get it. I get why there's the things haven't happened. And I think the only – this is like the Ryan Tannehill conversation for the Titans, for you Titans fans. If Ryan Tannehill was their quarterback long-term, they would have announced an extension in freaking January and February. They would have extended him. They wouldn't have drafted Will Levis. Every, you can always just confirm – the thing that people are speculating about if you want, and they have done everything opposite of that in this situation. So uh, that's the update on the, the rumor mill. The, the rumors just continue to swirl for a reason. What I find ironic about this whole situation is it, Barry Trotz is the linchpin. This all predicates on his decision. And in the coach head coaching cycle last year, the same thing happened. Winnipeg went all in on courting Barry Trotz. And then he decided, I think it was June 24th was the date he announced he wasn't coaching anymore. And he was taking the year off. The Jets waited that entire time for Barry Trotz. All the other head coaching candidates were already scooped up and they had to settle for Rick Bonus. And Rick Bonus is a fine head coach, but they could have had Bruce Cassidy or they could have had David Quinn or they, they could have had a much better option. And I, I think it's just ironic that the last two seasons, the head there's a head coaching job that is being tied up because of Barry Trotz. Well, and the whole cycle could be affected. Strange, strange. You mentioned June 24th, Michael, because I believe David Poyle told us that he decided he was stepping away around the NHL draft last year. Yeah. When would that have been? Probably around June 24th. I wonder Barry I Trotz. My seventh and eighth, actually. I'm just saying, around that time, Barry Trotz gets the uh, yeah. Yeah, you're the guy to take over my job next year from David Poyle and says, "Okay, I'm done coaching on the 24th." I'm just, I, I, I'm fine speculating and throwing out rumors on a podcast. I have no problem with that. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it would make sense, and and right, the the official date we were given was around Christmas time, was when Barry approached David and said, "Hey, I want to get into front office stuff." I think it was in the works long before that. 
and, and Chase McCabe at the end of season press conference last year asked David Boyle point blank about Barry Trotz. And then David kind of had this little tongue in cheek response of, oh, he's got a lot of head coaching offers. Like, I don't think he wants anything to do with being in the front office right now. So yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, who knows? There's there's so much inner workings going on behind the scenes that, that we don't know about. But I mean, David, and, po- David Poyle knew his last year as a general manager in the NHL was going to be his last year around the NHL draft last year. That's yeah. all. That's all we. That that's that, he has said that. That's out of his mouth. So yeah. And look, teams traditionally don't. Teams traditionally do have their head coach if they hire a new one in place before the draft. It, it's kind of rare to to see a team, San Jose being an exception last year, to see a team go through a draft without a head coach in place. But I, I don't think we have to worry. I don't think we're in danger of this. I think this this issue will be resolved before the draft. I just feel like the Predators front office. They are meticulous. They think everything out. They 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 think 10 steps ahead before they make a move. I, I can't see this dragging out even a week before the draft. I think this will I be agree. settled in the first 10 days of June. I think we'll have an answer. So I agree. Fasten your seatbelts. Hold on. You will have an answer. It's probably going to be another week or two before there is a resolution. It, 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 it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I do think I, I personally, I'm I'm 50-50 of whether John Hines comes back right now. I, yeah, think I don't it, know. I don't um, either. I think it depends on the front runner that Barry has in his mind, does that person want the job or not? Or is that person, does he, does he view other teams, other head coaching openings as being more desirable jobs? Who knows? And again, that may not be fair to John Hines, but it could be one final gift from David Poyle. I'll make the decision. I'll make the move. Even though Barry Trotz is probably approving all of it. I will be the one that says that John Hines has been let go. I will be the one that takes the heat. And then I will disappear from Bridgestone arena for months <laughs> and honestly that would be the perfect mic drop moment for david Poyle to leave because we've talked you know how his relationship with the fan base is kind of soured because of some of the moves he's made the fan base does not want john hines to come back if he were to relieve john hines of his duties and then kind of peace out i think that would kind of help him in the eyes of the fan base and kind of ingratiate him back into their good graces a little bit a little bit more like that he can he can play the role of bad guy and and yeah. and keep and keep Barry Trotz kind of clean, right? You keep he's the shield, he's the Roger Goodell that keeps the NFL owners clean through all the garbage, and and so that that he, David Poyle could absolutely be like, no, I'll take this one for you, Barry, even though it's mostly a Barry Trotz decision. He could be the one that takes it. Okay, that's enough on the rumors because I want to talk shit about the stars. Okay, <laughs> uh, go to go to Jasper's everybody, and if you want to watch the playoffs and want to watch a team crumble before your very eyes, implode like a bunch of small adolescent children into a giant ball of absurdity you can do that at jaspers you can watch the dallas stars act like a bunch of petulant children the fans the team the 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 whole deal it was and i it was just i don't even have i don't even have words for this so if for those that were not watching the game they're down two nothing in the series to vegas game three at home against uh against vegas facing uh, you know, going down three, nothing. They give up a goal 71 seconds into the game. Not even two minutes later, Jamie Ben, the captain, 10 years, a thousand games. Does one of the absolute, if this was like, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on Ryan Johansson, but if Ryan Johansson had done what Jamie Ben had done, he would be dragged through the Broadway mud on every radio station and podcast in the history of Nashville. Jamie Ben does one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, which is he hits a guy, he hits Mark Stone, and then he like 
dives on top of his face with a cross check. He is, it's reviewed. He is ejected from the game in one of the most critical moments of his entire career. This is a long buildup, Michael. So just sit back. <laughs> he gets ejected in one of the most important and critical games, a one goal game. Game three at home in a must-win situation, he is gone. He is the captain. thousand games done because of a stupid-ass decision to cross-check. Okay, he's ejected. There's a hearing, by the way. I think as we're recording this, there's a hearing for whether or not he's going to be suspended or not. Uh, then you've got, you've got an injury to Dodonoff, one of their better players. Uh, they, the, 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 the Vegas Knights then score like two minutes after the cross-checking in, in, in the, the power play. So they're up two nothing. Then they go up three nothing. Jake in seven minutes and ten seconds, they're down. They're down three nothing. Jake Ottinger, the goaltender, is yanked. So now we've got injuries, ejections, and a goaltender's been pulled. With twenty one point six seconds to go in the second period, they cannot play hockey at the arena because the fans. And I'm not one to like point fingers at throwing stuff on the field because like Tennessee fans have done it, Ole Miss fans have done it, everybody's done it. But it seems different in a professional sports arena in a playoff game to be throwing trash and beer and food and cans and everything else onto the ice. So much so that both teams and the officials agree we cannot play the game anymore. They stay, They just skip the 21.6 seconds. They just, no, no, you guys just go to the locker room. Get, get the fuck out of here. Go. They like it, I've never seen anything like it. So, the, so, and then, and I think that was because of the Max Domi penalty that was a 10 minute <laughs> misconduct penalty so now three of the top forwards for Dallas are out for the rest of the game uh they go on to lose four nothing they have been destroyed in the series they're down three games to none uh, they could be without their captain the captain Jamie Ben walks right past the media after the game and makes his teammates and coaches answer questions which by the way Michael is not about us the media it is about Reporting on the story, which is that Jamie Ben, the captain and most important player for the Dallas Stars, got himself ejected by a dumb decision two minutes into one of the most important games of his career and then didn't answer any questions about it by choice. A great column by Saad Youssef from The Athletic. Go read it. It, it. it kind of lays all this stuff out. I have never... I don't like watching this stuff, Michael. But, but... If you're going to watch it happen, an entire team franchise fan base implode upon itself in a span of an hour and a half, it might as well be the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I, I, I can't I can't disagree there. I mean, <laughs> I last night watching that, all I could think of, like, I, I refuse to call them the Dallas Stars after that. I started calling them the Dallas Corey Perry's because that's what that was. Uh, let's see what you did. And Greg Wyshynski, uh ESPN, tweeted earlier, I guess Jamie Ben finally spoke to reporters or spoke to somebody, and he would, they, they asked him if he would change anything about the play. This was, and I'm sure this probably wasn't his full answer, but this is what Greg tweeted out, probably a, a condensed version. Jamie Ben's answer to that, that boneheaded play, obviously I didn't want to take a five-minute penalty, but when the game happens fast, emotions are high. Obviously, I would have liked to not fall on him and I guess use my stick as the landing point. That's what we're going with. I fell and my stick caught me. That is that is Jamie Ben's excuse for this. And then they asked him if he'll use the I fell on him defense when he talks to player safety and he didn't really answer. He said, we'll go through the beginning, of, go through the play from beginning to end, and kind of talk about it and stuff. But yeah, that was 
when you're the captain of a team and you're down, well, you're, you're down a couple goals. You're, you're down two games in, in the first two games in, in a conference final. Like you're vitally important to your team. If you're going to come back and you're going to win and to, to do that, to get ejected, like the, the whole thing was a mess. And, and I, this was almost, I don't know why this amused me so much, but as it wasn't funny that st- that stuff was being thrown on the ice, but as the announcers are talking about how bad this is, the camera zooms in on a can of truly. And to me, that just describes Dallas <laughs> stars fandom and, and one little clip right there that you guys are so angry. They're, they're throwing hard seltzer on the ice. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know this for sure, but I'm just going to report it. There's no way Jaspers would serve that. I'm just saying, unless truly wants yeah, to be a sponsor. <laughs> Unless they want to be a sponsor, in which case, come on, we, we'll take your money. Yeah, um, if you want, you want to pay money for it, that's a good idea. But yeah, yeah. then we're fine. Go to go to Jasper's where you can get hard seltzer that you can drink, not thrown at you like Dallas Stars fans. But that uh, was yeah, that was just that was a mess, and it, it looks bad on everybody involved. And and I get it, you're frustrated. You go down three nothing to Vegas very early on, like it, it, that kind of felt like okay, the season's over. I, I just I, I don't even know. I, there's so much to unpack and dissect. I just. That that was just a bad look, and I saw several re- reporters on Twitter last night saying like this is the single most embarrassing thing they've ever seen covering the NHL in however many years. And if you're Stars fans, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you're Jamie Ben, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you're Max Domi, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like there's plenty of shame to go around for everybody. Again, two minutes into Game Three in a one goal game, that that's when your team needs you the most and you do the worst possible thing. And don't give me that excuse that, 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 that response from him is, is a crock. Like, like it's a crock. Like he, 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 it's a clean hit. He knocks Mark stone up and gets the boards, knocks him down. And then he skates like two or three times and looks down at him and goes, yeah, I'm about to land on this dude's face with my stick. And like, you got to know better, man. You just got to know better. It's, it was the, at the, he let he let the fact that they were down to nothing and gave up a goal in the first minute and tw- eleven seconds of Game Three of like his resurgent season as the captain of the team for a decade. He couldn't keep it together. And I listen. I Jamie Ben can be annoying for other teams, but I'm sure the people in that locker room mean all the things they say when they say he's a great leader and we love him inside the building. But like whatever, like that was. I think you said it, and and Yusuf, the writer for the Athletic who covers the Star, said the same thing. It's the most embarrassing thing. He's ever covered, and I. And not is only is it, a, is it a dumb play, but that's that's very dangerous. Like you're you're yes. potentially taking Mark Stone's career into your hands, and we we said the same thing a couple of years ago when Robert Bertuzzo did the same thing to Victor Arvidsson, only it was behind his back, and and that one looked really bad. And Arvidsson came back and played, and I think he even did an interview where he said where he admitted he didn't have the speed that he had. He didn't have the hop that he had. He he couldn't do a lot of things physically that he could before the injury. And he said being cross-checked basically in the middle of the back, that affected a lot of things that he could do physically. Like, I think Mark Stone's okay. Nothing's been really reported of, of anything seriously happening to him. But you are taking another player's career into your own hands when you do something like that. Well, and again, I've never seen anything like, like when the cat, when the, I think when we talked about this, this is not, I would say this about the Predators. I would say this about any team in the NHL. I'd say this about any team in sports. What I, do I take more joy in it being a complete meltdown that it's the Dallas Stars? Of course I do. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. If it was Chicago, it'd be even better. But like otherwise, Dallas is pretty good. But like I would say the all same exact things if this was the Predators captain and the Predators fans doing this and the Predators taking misconducts and in the most important moment of the Predators season in game three of a Western Conference freaking final, your captain does one of the dumbest things you've ever seen. I would say that that's one of the dumb like. 
let's call it what it is. This is not because it's the stars. I'm just enjoying it more because it's the stars. That's different. Um, but I will say this, like the catfish, we, we said to people on the episode where there was a protest catfish, they threw the catfish onto the ice during play. That is not appropriate. That is not, you cannot throw things onto the ice during play. The catfish goes onto the ice before the game starts. The, the Detroit squid, right? They go out there, the octopus, they go out there uh, like what, with, with a hat trick, right? Like that's in between. That's, I, I don't know. You can't do it during play. Did I also understand the protesting that was taking place? Sort of like the, 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 the symbolism of the catfish? Sure. Doesn't make it right. It was wrong. I have never seen a, a, a game where they just were like, oh, we cannot get the game restarted for 21.6 seconds because this is too crazy. I've never seen that. I've never seen that in a professional sport. Not basketball, not football, nothing. I've never seen that before. So I, this is not just a like, hey, we're picking on the Dallas Stars because they're the Preds rival thing. Like that's not what's happening here. That This is, it's, it's. I, I think there people are right to say it was one of the most embarrassing things. And again, Jamie Ben. So Joe Pavelski had to answer for this. I actually like Jay, Joe Pavelski. He's a Wisconsin guy. I'm from Madison. I like Joe Pavelski. Didn't he get hurt in the first round? Wasn't he knocked out of the game by a nasty cross check? Of all people, of all people to know what, like he had to answer questions about a nasty, dirty cross check while having been the victim of that same exact thing earlier in the playoffs. That's not Joe Pavelski's job. It's not Tyler Sagan's job. Yeah. Yes, yes, Peter DeBoer needs to answer those questions, but not those other two players. No, not the back, not the backup freaking goaltender in the locker room after the game. It has to be Jamie Ben taking responsibility for his actions. All right, and, yeah, and, I, and I think that's also like the frustration with how Jamie Ben conducted himself last night is twofold. Yes, you have the stupid stuff that he did on the ice and 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 potentially injuring Mark, Mark Stone, and you also have the fact that he did not he wasn't held accountable for his actions and he didn't not that any explanation he could offer would have helped, but he didn't give any reasoning. He didn't explain anything, nothing. He just bypassed everybody and he left his teammates and his head coach to sit there and answer for the stupid stuff that he did. And as, as, as we saw from what Greg Wachitsky tweeted earlier, like the answer he gave was not satisfactory at all. And it didn't help, but I think more people would have, Yes, they would have been angry, but I think more people would have at least had a, a shred of respect for Jamie Ben had he come out in the post game and said, "Hey, you know what? That's on me. That was a big mistake. I had a mental error. Don't I take full responsibility for that? I know better not to do that. I will accept whatever punishment the NHL hands to me, and I will I will not do that in the future." Yes, there still would have been a lot of anger at him for what he did, but I think a lot more people would have had a, a tiny bit of more respect for him if he would have done that. And I think a lot of not just in the NHL, but professional athletes need to do that as well. There's there's very little accountability for professional athletes when they do something like this. And and their they're out is that they don't have to talk to the media. They don't want to talk to reporters and stuff. I think it should be mandatory. If you do something like that, you should have to stand up there and be held accountable for your actions. Especially when you're the freaking captain in the play. I, in the that, has play. Nothing to do, that has nothing to do with us as reporters getting to interview him or anything like that. Right. Everything to do with the fact of that was a very critical moment in the game. And that's something that you need to sit there and be held accountable for. Yeah. And, and like as a media member, like here's the deal. Like I, we can, you can imagine what one afternoon radio host would do in this market. If Roman Yossi, Shea Weber, Mike Fisher, any of the national predators captains down two Oh, in game three of a playoff series did something so stupid. It cost the team the series. 
you can imagine what sports talk radio for the next six years would sound like. <laughs> trade them, trade them, get rid of them. There's no place for him. So, trade them. And here's the thing that would be the right conversation. If I'm a Dallas afternoon radio show, talk show host right now, it is not about us to make this about not answering questions. It is about a player needing to take responsibility for what took place. And, and here's the cool, here's the other thing that I don't think athletes realize some, maybe some do. We are such a fast nation of people to forgive so fast. Like we just like we're if you just take up and own what you did wrong and say, look, that was my fault. I did it. What else can you say to somebody like we we as a country move on real fast when you just apologize and own your mistakes and then try to do better next time. And, and again, I'm not talking about like murder here, dude. Like I'm talking about like regular stuff like this where you made a mistake in a game. It was critical. Hey, I've got to be better than that. I, I let my team down. I let the fans down. Uh, it's my fault. I take full responsibility. Like, what else do you? Okay, you can bitch about it with your friends at the bar if you want to. But like, what else do you say to the guy? Like, he's already t- he's already owned it. And then we all move on. Yeah, and, and, and it would be fine if this was like Rope Hints or someone like that. But it's Jamie Benton, the captain of the damn team. That is, I yeah. think, one of the, one of the biggest parts about this that's so frustrating is you are the captain of the team. I don't know if they did like a, a team vote or whatever, but surely there he has the backing of his teammates. And to sit there and let your teammates stand in the trenches taking grenades for you and answering questions yeah. about why you did what you did. I think that like that is the opposite of what a captain should be doing. And, and the other angle of on this is the fan behavior, just like because obviously they're just as frustrated, but there's no excuse for their behavior yeah. either. There's no there's no excuse for their behavior either. Again, uh, it, they're not the first fan base to get upset at a sporting event and throw things onto the ice field court, whatever. It, it's, it happens. I'm not suggesting it's right. It's wrong. But for for anyone else of any fan base to, to just sort of yell that we're perfect, like, no, this has happened everywhere. It doesn't make any of it right. But I have never seen a playoff game stopped with time on the clock and they just like eliminated 22 seconds of the game. They're just like, no, we can't even try to play this. I, I've, I've never seen anything like that. Okay. We, we've... uh. <laughs> And Rope Hints, by the way, I think was responsible for taking Dodonoff out. <laughs> so, so you brought yeah. you brought up Hints. It was just one of the most. It was one of the. If if I am a fan of a team, that was arguably one of the worst games nights of my favorite team in the history that I've ever seen in any sport ever. So, uh, way to go, Dallas. Good job, Stars. Good job, fans. Good job, Jamie Ben. Thanks for giving us at least 15 minutes of content today on the show. We do appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Go to Jaspers if you want to watch the Dallas Stars implode. Uh, if you want to watch what is probably going to be a clean sweep in both series and a Vegas, Florida. That's right. If you had Miami and Las Vegas in the Stanley Cup final, uh, go. you can go watch that at Jaspers. <laughs> the next evolution of the sports bar, baby. That, where where they will not throw things at you while you're eating there. I promise. We're going to get the the two the teams with the two ugliest uniforms left in the playoffs in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you're right. This, the the Knights do they do. I I will say this, and we're going to talk about this in just a little bit after we talk AHL. Uh, go to Jasper's, by the way. Uh, I do think I I do think there is, and you mentioned this a couple episodes ago. Because we were, I think maybe it was, maybe it was last week. Matthew Kachuk is a marketable commodity by the NHL, like he is. And Bobro- oh, sure. Bobrovsky was amazing in Game Three. They had 17 freaking shots and they won the game. Uh, so there is some marketability there. In a I think the most intriguing storyline of the Eastern Conference Final, or I guess really of the, of the Stanley Cup playoffs, is the back and forth between Kachuk and Bobrovsky over who deserves the Smythe more. 
<laughs> it's pretty like alternate games. You're thinking it's Kachuk and he has two overtime winners of them, but Rowski goes out there and saves like 80 something saves in the, in a game. Like it's just crazy watching them battle back and forth over who should win the consmith. All right, we'll, we'll get to some non-traditional stuff and overtime game winners in the NHL. Is there any better feeling in all of sports? We'll do all of that. Go to Jasper's, by the way. Please, please go to Jasper's. Free parking over on West End. Great place for a lunch, uh, for business. Great place for a happy hour with the guys. Great place to take the wife if you want to go. Um, you know, take the kids. They got the game room, the grab-and-go market. There's all kinds of great stuff. The menu is fantastic. Uh, truly like an elevated sports bar menu great seating everywhere you can kind of do something there's something for everybody so make sure you go check it out and of course jasper is a proud sponsor of the national predators and this year podcast and you can buy yourself a gold standard cocktail named after this show that means we've made it michael uh okay let's get into the milwaukee admirals run to a calder cup championship so game number one probably as you're listening to this in the western conference finals between the milwaukee admirals and that's right the coachella valley firebirds in the Western Conference Final, that is a newly formed team recently, the Seattle Krakens uh, minor league affiliate. Uh, after a five-game series win over Texas, the Admirals have advanced for the first time since 2006 to the Western Conference Finals. Luke Evangelista, four goals, 13 points, uh, leading the way. I think he's third in the Calder Cup playoffs in scoring. Uh, Askarov has been excellent. He's got a, basically a 91 save percentage and is facing as many shots as anybody else in the postseason. So we can go through some of these other names. Uh, if we want to, in terms of who's been successful, but just number one on its face, just the story of getting through two rounds, two five game, game five, I guess game five winners, for those that don't know, it's five game series. And then of course you get a seven game series now from here on out. Um, again, starting on Thursday at, at time of taping, uh, just a fun story, man. Like if you're a Predators fan and you know, watching the stars implode wasn't enough and you want to watch hockey, you got your, you got a whole lot of Predators players playing in a in a Western Conference final uh, coming up starting here uh, Thursday evening for the foreseeable future. It should be a lot of fun for Preds fans to, to, to you know, fill a need right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, there was this whole social media firestorm about whether you should actually pay attention to the Admirals last week or not and stuff. But look, the fact of the matter is there's, there's at least five or six players on this team that could potentially be playing for the Predators next year. They had a bunch of these guys that were playing. I think I mentioned they had over 240 games of NHL experience this season alone. Luke Evangelista, third in the playoffs in scoring. I think it was kind of surprising to me. Jordan Gross, second on, on the Admirals in scoring, 11 points in 10 games. I think he's ninth overall in the playoffs in scoring. Mark Delgaizo is really stepping it up. Kiefer Sherwood's kind of done well. And I think, I think, Mark Delgaizo is interesting to me because we've talked about how this team does not have a, a true blue chip defensive prospect. And I don't think Delgaizo is that, but I think he and Spencer Stastny are really kind of separating themselves from the rest of the Predators prospects in, term, in terms of defensemen and who could potentially be in the NHL soon. And I think the other big thing, if you're a fan, you got to be excited about how well Joachim Kemmel's playing. Eight games, uh, eight points. Oh, I'm sorry. Six points. Six points. Yeah. Six points. I was looking at Kiefer Sherwood stats. Eight games, five goals, six points. I think he had 13 points in 14 uh, games to close out the regular season. And I, I tweeted a video of him uh, from game five when he scored uh, one of his two goals. And, and I said, look, he could potentially be the elite scorer this team is lacking. His shot is just deadly. He, he's he's in the right places at the right time. I think he, he he's going to be a top six forward eventually. I don't think he's quite ready. We need to pump the brakes on that. That's one thing this fan base does. Anytime a player 
a prospect plays really well for a short stretch of time that we're automatically putting them in the NHL lineup. I, I do think Evangelista and I think Afanasiev maybe, uh, I think there are some players that, and Tomasino will be on the Predators roster next year, but I, I do think Joachim Kemmel needs a full season in Milwaukee before he's yeah. NHL. But there's there's a lot to be excited about. Um, if Admiral's content is something you enjoy, make sure you're checking out Nashville Hockey Now. Just just a, a disclaimer, we have been covering their entire postseason playoff run before it was cool and everyone else jumped on the bandwagon <laughs> last week. Um, so I just want to plug that out there. Nick Keezer is doing a great job uh, over at Nashville Hockey Now. He is on top of this. We have a good relationship with their PR department. Um, so we are, I think Nick is speaking to Carl Taylor and a couple of the players here in a little bit. We'll have a story up on National Hockey Now later today. Um, yeah, any anything Admirals related, we have you covered. Um, make sure you go out and, and check the website. We're, we're hoping to have more regular player interviews and coach interviews and feature stories and stuff up until the Admirals are eliminated from the playoffs. So nobody in nashville media is as petty as michael gallagher i appreciate that i appreciate that about you um i will say this i, I disagree with you on one thing about this run everything you just said i agree with i disagree one... with you, you called me petty <laughs> i just like that you're taking shots at all the other people for now covering the thing that you were covering and i think that's great no i think you should claim ownership over I, ahl calder cup coverage i think you should being ownership and i'm not taking shots i'm just saying if you're looking for admiral's content just remember that we were doing it before everybody else was so maybe you should check us out because we've been doing it a little bit longer and we probably have a little we're a little bit more informed we're, we're plugged into the admirals pretty well we have a regular communication with with carl taylor the head coach who could potentially be the predators head coach and we have we're in we have a lot of communication with the players too so i'm just i'm just saying we're, we're pretty plugged into the admirals yeah there, there you go um i agree with you i don't disagree with anything you're saying i just appreciate i just appreciate uh when you go full petty i i love it when you go holding a grudge i love it i enjoy that uh, the way i look at it is i work my ass off as does nick and i will advocate for us so that's totally fair no no arguments there the only thing I'll disagree with you on is, and it sort of ties into John Hines being evaluated on a 20 game sample. Guy's been a head coach for eight freaking years in the NFL. Don't tell me that Barry Trotz needed 20 games with a bunch of young pups to, to change his mind. I, I That doesn't speak well of Barry Trotz if that's what he did. I don't think that, like to me, this run, all it does is prove what I already knew about Carl Taylor, which is that he is a viable candidate for the head coaching job for National Predators or any other NHL team. I don't need this run to sort of like decide that. I don't think that changes whether or not you should or shouldn't hire him because he beats Coachella in a game seven in a, in a seven game series. Like that shouldn't be the reason you hire him, but it could be, it could confirm what you already believe. So I, that's the only thing I would disagree on is that I don't think you should say that not you, but like in, if I'm Barry Trotz, there's no way Barry Trotz should change his mind on a head coach who has been coaching in the NHL for eight years over over 20 games just like you should not change your mind about carl taylor's future because of one or two playoff series if, does that make sense like i don't i don't think that that should be the thing that makes the decision i think it should be the, no, body, I think the it, body of work i think it makes sense i don't think if carl taylor is going to get the job he has the job now right and he had the job last week right. and he's going to have the job two weeks from now exactly. i don't i don't think the admiral's run signifies anything of, of whether I don't think he's making his case why he should be the Predators head coach. When I when I said that a couple of weeks ago, I, I poorly worded it. What I meant to say was, and I tried to I tried to explain this, I think, last week or the week before. 
if the if the Predators are going to make a change at head coach, Carl Taylor makes the most sense because there's 14 players on this Admirals roster right now that played for the Predators at some point this year. You're looking at probably four or five of those forwards, maybe one or two of those defensemen playing on this roster next year. I what I meant to say, and I I, I apologize for wording it poorly. I think the playoffs is is Carl Taylor kind of showing what he can do next year. We already know what he can do with, with, with a team of veteran players with Philip Forsberg, and we know that those guys are good. But adding some of these players from the Admirals roster to that to the Predators roster next year. And look, Carl Taylor coached two games in the NHL, and he won both of them this year or during the COVID stuff. So, I mean, it, it's not like Carl Taylor has to prove himself. He's not padding his resume. The job is his. The, if the job is his, it's already his. I, I think it just makes more sense because if you're going with the future of this team and a lot of these players – that are carrying Milwaukee on this on this postseason run are the future of this team. It makes a lot of sense to move, move Carl Taylor into that position because he spent the last three, four, five years developing these guys right. and who right. coached these guys than the guy that developed them when they were in the AHL. The the only one that's like mildly concerning, and I'm not even I'll say this without even having watched a ton of minutes. So I I maybe I'm wrong on this, but the fact that Philip Tomasino only has three assists and three points in 10 games is a little bit concerning. But again, I, I say that without having watched all the minutes of all 10 games that they've played. So other than that, like Sherwood, you mentioned Del Gaza with eight points. Ascaroff has played really good, uh, really well. Evangelista, Kemmel, like you, all these guys that you want to see doing well are doing well. Other than Tomasino, that's the only one that I would say, all right, let's get a little more out of you. Let's see you take over a little bit more because that's that's what you want to see out of him because he's by far the the highest caliber and most ready prospect of the group to come up and, and, and play on a top six line next year for the Preds. So uh, other than that, I, um, I do and, agree. And it's, a little, it's a little concerning. You would like to see a little bit more production out of Tomasino, but I mean, when he 31 games in, in the NHL at the end of the year, he had five goals, 18 points. I think he had what, four power play goals, six power play points. Like I'm not, I'm not that worried about him. The, like we, like we said, a couple of weeks ago, it's the AHL playoffs. It's not like they're going on a Stanley Cup run. So I'm not saying that the effort isn't there because Philip Tomasino cares less about it being the AHL playoffs. Right. I'm not worried about it because we have seen him produce in the NHL. I, I, I Again, I will be very honest. Unlike Jamie Ben, I will put my hand in the air and I will be accounted and, and I'll be accountable. I have not studied the AHL postseason uh, deep dive analytics on Philip Tomasino. So I just I, I'm not going to say that he's. You know, he's way below what the metrics suggest he should be pr producing and, you know, a la Matt Duchesne three years ago or whatever. Um, okay, so uh, we were having this debate um, with a few folks from from ESPN. Like, what is... First of all, I think it's interesting that we're going to have probably two teams from Miami in the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Final. I think that's going to be interesting. You have the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat, neither of which... I think both of which were the eight seed in, in, this, in the seed. So I think it's just a fascinating story for that market. Vegas is probably going to win. You've already got Denver winning. So now you've got this weird mountain time zone versus South Florida thing in both sports. Uh, both the conference finals in, in both sports have not been particularly great. I thought, I thought game, you know, uh, uh, the Denver win over Los Angeles in game four was great. I, you know, game three was okay against Carolina. Certainly the, the Knights are just steamrolling the stars. We did have like an overtime insanely uh, um, competitive game with Carolina and Florida. It's been a great series, much better than in the other series. So it got me thinking, and we were arguing about this, and I want your opinion. In American team sports, so not like the World Cup where, you know, 195 nations and like hundreds of millions of people are watching you in a world, you know, country versus country penalty kick situation, which I, which I think would be the most 
amazing feeling in all of sports is if you were a soccer player and you kicked the game-winning penalty kick in, in a World Cup final the way like Messi almost did. Didn't Messi? I don't know if he kicked the game winner, but somebody did for Argentina. To, to have that, that, I can't imagine anything in sports feeling better than that. But if you go to team sports in America, not even individual stuff, because I think if you hit a 50-foot putt on, on 18 at Augusta to win the Masters, holy holy smokes, that's got to feel like the greatest thing in the world. Um, again, I'm not talking about Olympics either, but team sports in America. Walk-off home run, extra innings, Game 7 World Series, game-winning jumper, Game 7 NBA Finals, um, as time expires, as the buzzer sounds. Overtime game-winning goal in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. Which one do you think is a better feeling? Like They're all amazing. They're all spectacular. I, I think the jump shot's number three. I, I cannot decide between walk-off home run or overtime game-winning goal. Where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, game-winning goal's got to be number one. I would put walk-off home run number two. Jump shot. Uh, I'm not a basketball fan. I think basketball is a, a very boring sport. So anything <laughs> basketball related, you lose me. However, I, I do, I do understand why people like basketball and the players, stars like LeBron James and stuff like that. So I can, I can understand like that being exciting. But I just feel like I, I grew up a baseball fan. Like I loved watching, especially when games ended on walk off home runs. That was that was exciting. Those were just like regular season games, like series clinching games, stuff like that. When you're you 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 know polish off a three game sweep of, of a division rival or whatever, but I, I don't think you can make a case that it's anything but a game winning goal in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, Adam Vinatieri would probably argue that it was it would be making a, a Super Bowl winning field goal in the final seconds, but I just like we we said before, the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win in sports, and it's the playoffs are designed to make it that way. A game-winning goal in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, I don't see how you could could argue anything would be more exhilarating for an athlete or just for fans watching it just because of just how exciting the Stanley Cup Final is. Like, postseason hockey is one of the, the funnest experiences you could you could ever be around. And, and just scoring a game-winner in Game 7, I mean, I, I just I, – I, you would you – would, I don't know. There's just no way you can convince me anything more exciting than that. Like, even in football in the Super Bowl, overtime – like, I think I don't think it was it a pass from Tom Brady to James White. It might have been a run. But like, is it the quarterback who makes the throw that feels better or the receiver that makes the catch? There's probably like some divided feeling there, right? Uh, I am torn on this because I agree that I would lean hockey game seven overtime winner because one goal changes the entire thing. In baseball, it's so different. There's so much structure between the top of the inning and the bottom of the inning. The argument for baseball, in my mind, is that it is a singular person making the accomplishment versus a singular opponent, right? It's you versus the pitcher. And you as an individual are in complete control of the outcome. And if you hit a home run, you don't have to give any credit to anybody else. <laughs> now, like it's a team sport. You got there. You all got there as a team. You have to win as a team. And and so that's to me, that's the argument for the walk-off home run is that like I am the individual doing it in a inside of a team sport but it's it's mano a mano, right? Like on a, on the mound and in the batter's box. But I don't think the I, I don't think like the suddenness of a goal in in Game Seven of a Stanley Cup Final can be matched in anything else, because it's just like it's that jolt. And I'm not saying the the walk off wouldn't feel the same way, but in basketball with the clock running down, or in the NFL if you're in the red zone, like 
there's a buildup there. You kind of know that a score could happen. You kind of know that yeah. it's coming. Whereas in the NHL, you could be in, you could be, you know, in your own zone and you make a bad pass. Somebody steals the puck and all of a sudden you lose the, the Stanley cup. And I think your argument about it being a more difficult tournament to win, I think is you have to bake that into the conversation as well. Like, if you've got three stud pitchers, you've got a good chance to be in the postseason in baseball, right? Like, so I think it's a tougher tournament to win. It's a more grueling tournament to win, to have to win 16 games and four seven-game series. So I think the argument is like the individualness of the baseball accomplishment versus the difficulty of the hockey accomplishment. But I think I would lean hockey as well, and I'm not just saying that on a ho- because it's a hockey podcast. I, I just think, can you imagine what it would feel like to score a game seven overtime Stanley cup championship goal. You would never, you could quit that day, never work a day again, the rest of your life and be a superhero to like hundreds of thousands of people. I, I I can't imagine what that would feel like. And, and I, and I'm not going to allow myself to think about Chicago because no one even knew they won the series (laughs) when when they scored, when they scored that goal. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I'm trying to think of other comparable sports moments that I that I would compare that to, and like it, it's hard in basketball and it's hard in football because it does feel more like feel it feels like it's more about individuals. Like those are those are two sports where if you have one or two like star players, like that can take you really far. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen in the NHL, but how long has Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl been on the Edmonton Oilers, and how many cups have they won? That just kind of furthers the point of why the Stanley Cup is so difficult to win. And I think of football, like, yeah, in, in the moment, a game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl is, is kind of fun. But after it's over, it's like, eh, it's over. Like, the game ends. The only the only thing I can think of that's similar in the NFL recently was the 2009 Super Bowl when San Antonio Holmes caught that touchdown pass. I think there was like 40-something seconds left. Yeah, it's pretty that, nuts. It's the only thing I can think of in the NFL realm that is similar. And I think the fact that we're struggling to come up with any kind of comparable situations in any of the other sports kind of proves the point that a game winning goal in game seven of the Stanley cup final, that's it. End of argument. That is the most exhilarating (laughs) thing or most exhilarating sports moment that I think you could possibly have if you're an athlete. Yeah. I, I I tend to, I tend to agree. Um, because again, like if you're a kicker and you make a field goal, that's great. But like, nobody really views you as a football player anyway. Like you're, you're barely a human being as a kicker. So, so, um, and again, I'm not, I think you could argue the thing that beats it is, is like world stage for your country stuff. Like the only thing that's better is again, like you see Simone Biles stick the landing on a perfect, whatever routine she's doing. And like, you can see it in their faces, the amount of energy they have when they won that gold medal for the United States, especially in women's gymnastics. Like that is just, or like the 100 meter dash, like you can see, like that, that feeling has got to be unprecedented, right? Like the, the, you know, the Michael Phelps stuff or the KD Ledecky stuff, but like, that's, again, that's a world stage competing for your country in an individual way. That's just yeah. different. That's not, that's not a team professional sport. I, I just, so I think there's a little difference there, but I, I think it, I think team United States, it's a game winning goal, game seven overtime Stanley cup final. I think on the world stage, it is the if the like basically what we saw between Argentina and France. Like if you kick the penalty kick and you bury the goal that wins the game for your nation in front of hundreds of millions of people, I don't think there's anything better than that. But but that's a different that's a different type of sports accomplishment. The only other one I'd put on there is again, you chip in out of a bunker 
you know, down down a stroke on 18 at Augusta to win it to go up, you know, up a stroke at Augusta. I whoa, dude. <laughs> you 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 lost me. I'm not a, I'm not a golf fan either. Well, you got to get into some major golf. Major golf is so much fun, man. Like, did you watch Michael Block this past weekend? He had a hole in a hole in one at the at a major tournament on the back nine. He it, he flew it into the cup on 15, and he was a bigger story than the guy who won the tournament. Uh, it's awesome, great story. I a hole in one to like win the Masters. Holy smokes, that'd be insane. Like that's like Tiger Woods chipping in on 16 and then watching the ball just slowly roll in, and like that's how he wins a major. Like that's that's incredible stuff. But it's not a team sport, so there you go. All right, go to Jasper's where they're all about team sports and individual sports and individual awards and team awards. Uh, tell everybody what you guys got coming at Nashville Hockey now. Yeah, so if you go on the website now, we have Nick Kieser did a great story on Ryan Johansson. How uh, how will he respond to Barry Trotz kind of calling him out and his warning shot of having the best summer of his life, basically. We have uh, the Daily up there that's talking about Cody Glass helping uh, Canada move on at the IIHF World Championship. We're going to have an Admirals preview. We're going to start rolling out scouting reports on some of the top prospects that could be potential fits for the Predators and stuff. And we have a bunch of draft coverage heading your way, probably beginning next week as well. All right, there you have it. Go to Jaspers, order yourself a gold standard. Make sure you check out Nashville Hockey Now at MG Sports underscore to, to tell Michael all of his takes are and, and to get him into as many petty conversations on Twitter as possible. Uh, you can get to me at Braden Gall and just tell me how much of an idiot I am. I'm totally fine with that. Screw you, Dallas. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> My name's Braden Gall. This has been the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>